In the fall of 2004, a television network foolishly canceled the epic space show Spectrum. But fans kept Spectrum alive in their imaginations and safe in their shattered hearts. Now, ten years later, an army of fans celebrate the cast and conventions are devoted to the adventure and the mythos that was and always will be Spectrum. Everyone loves Spectrum. I hate Spectrum! I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it! Well, everyone but Ray nearly. It was a great show. It was the best thing I've ever done. That's the problem. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here he is, sipping away at that coffee. It's Derek McCaw. Hopefully it's not a sign of a long haul tonight that I need this much coffee. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. We are podcasting on a Tuesday, uh, not our usual Wednesday. Uh, what is the date today? Is this the 26th? It's the 25th, I think. It's the 26th. It's the 26th. I lost So uh, just say that we're... Uh, yeah, well, I wonder if you'll get that back. I'll get it back at the end of the week. Okay, excellent. Uh, we were podcasting on Tuesday night, the 26th, uh, at around 8.13. So anything that happens up until about after 8 o'clock tonight, we are not responsible for the news in this particular podcast. Of course, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, wait, I didn't introduce, of course. I said who I was, but we are missing Nate Costa, who is, again, still working in that Hollywood dream, uh, General getting Frisch. paid. <laughs> <laughs> and Jennifer Franco is still working. I can't remember uh, what show. I guess we really couldn't say what show he was on, even if we could remember what it was. So uh, we are uh, once again a two-man crew tonight. And uh, across from me, producing this podcast with knobs and buttons, and there's lights, and and I think they indicate we're actually recording. Can I do a album parody cover of Two Man Crew? No, for the next podcast. No, thing? I fear you. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, thank you. All right. Anyway, if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you've gotten this far after all that, uh, of course, subscribe, tell your friends, rate us, review us, do the same thing on the Stitcher app, uh, podcast.com. And if there's a, a place that you do like getting podcasts and they don't carry us, please let us know and we'll see what we can do about that. But of course, you can find us at fanboyplanet.com where each and every podcast has its own page and uh, we do try to keep up to date with links. If you, if you, we talk about something on this podcast, uh, we have created an Amazon store as well as you can use a search box on the side, but there is a, an Amazon, uh, pod, Fanboy Planet podcast Amazon store that, uh, I put objects, uh, items in that we've talked about on the podcast. And if you can't find them at your local brick and mortar store, because I, I, I want to support local businesses first. But you know what? If you live in the San Francisco Bay area, 
We're a local business. We are. I have to rethink my business model here. Mm. Anyway, uh, you can use that as well as I certainly take uh, gladly take donations from PayPal. Uh, so we have a little – we're certified by PayPal. You can both uh, donate money if you'd like to pay for hosting of this podcast and recording this podcast uh, to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism – Write in compliments. Did I say compliments? Because we love compliments. Right. Well, it's worth saying twice. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and absolutely do want to hear from you. I want to know, you know, what we're, if uh, you are screaming at something we said or if you think, yeah, that was well done, whichever way you want to go with it, we'd like to hear about it. We want to know who's out there listening. If they, uh, if they do decide to donate, though, they should talk to their tax accountant before trying to write that off. No. Yeah, I don't think it's ever. Gonna, yeah, well, it might work. Yeah. I, no, I don't think it would technically because you get a podcast in return. That's everybody I, gets the podcast. We'd give it away for free anyway. Yeah. yeah, we we give and give. Yeah, and give. They're supporting the arts, so you give too. <laughs> there is an art to this, believe it or not. All right, uh, so we've got uh, some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. Uh, you know. A lot of stuff to talk about, uh, but we're going to start with a top story tonight, which actually kind of covers all of it, which is uh, uh, today, uh, let's, let's see, it was MidCon 2, no, Mid-America 2, Mid-Americon right. 2, which is also uh, WorldCon 74. I love this about fandom. Uh, they announced the Hugo Award nominations today uh you could probably speak more articulately to how this process works but they would not be interested that is true it's taken us this long to get to that in point short, where you realize in that short, when there is a world con you can have one of two types of memberships you can have an attending membership which means you're intending to go to the show mm -hmm. and you have a supporting membership which means that you are just making sure that the world con stays healthy if you have either of those two types of memberships, you can fill in a ballot primarily for nominations, and they will then, from that, come up with the top five or six or whatever nominations in any category. And then you can eventually vote for the best of the But you have to categories. attend the convention to vote. Is no, that correct? No, you, no. To vote for the Hugos, you have to you, – you can you do that over the web – or you can mail it in, or somebody, someone can actually bring your proxy vote in. But the what we were talking about earlier was if you want to vote on the committee um, business meetings, ah. then you have to be there in person. Okay. Now, one, we did break this down for the Eisners last week, so it's worth – it was certainly not boring people because it's a different process yes. as who could. The question I have at this point is now that the nominations are out mm – -hmm. And there is still uh, Mid-Americon happening in August in Kansas City, uh, 2016. Uh, and we uh, we fully support, by the way, the effort to bring Worldcon to, to San, San Jose, Jose in 2018. For 2016, could I – do I still have time to put in a sustaining membership and vote? A supporting membership. Supporting I membership. I think here's, – here's Debbie, who, who actually may know a little more about this. Can you still buy a supporting membership? I think the only difference is you're going to pay more for it than you would have six months ago. 
Um, but I think you can Which still buy a supporting membership. Which is the way with membership. everything. There it's is like, another benefit to buying a supporting membership, and that is that everyone who has like a KQED, supporting membership. Do I yeah, get a, you, you Actually, it is very much do so. Do I get a PBS subscription to Sesame Street no, magazine? You, you will get I loved a that number I of the nominees who can be uh, reproduced digitally. The publishers often make those available to the voting membership. And you would get a link to a website that you can log into and download ebook copies and PDFs of graphic novels and short stories and everything that's nominated. Some of them don't, and some just have samples of of the books, you know, a, a segment of it. But in a lot of cases, you get the full book. So yes, for fifty dollars, was it fifty? Fifty dollars. You could you could buy a supporting membership, and that membership would get you. The PDFs, a chance to read the some PDFs, and then you can vote. So they don't. They don't typically have media that would be like theatrical or television because the rights to those are much more difficult to get. Um, I would also suspect, film-wise, all of that is available. It's been funny though. Uh, in years past, the the Hugo Awards are broadcast over streaming video. Yes, I recall that from a years past. Yeah. And the the service that they used was monitoring what was going out over the stream and they noticed that there were a lot of there were a lot of video of protected media movie clips and such and they shut down the stream i remember it was an automatic automated thing yeah Yeah. so um yeah there's there's some interesting bumps along the way well let's speak to where it really crosses over with fanboy planet um there are, as we, we were saying beforehand, there was some controversy in the nomination process, which I don't want to get into the Continuing politics of Continuing from last year. Was... Because, right, and and it's covered better at other places. And it is the kind of thing that that if you are interested, that information is freely freely right. out there. I think I even saw it on CNN last year. Like, why? It's probably the most attention the Hugos have... That's the irony. Yeah, it always the is. most atten- attention that the Hugos have gotten have been when they ca- when people get outraged internally about them. And True, it's, and, and it's enough to say. So, not to mock, because I would say yes, I understand why people are upset. We'll leave that a mystery. Research it yourself, people. But they do have best graphic story, which crosses over in our world, being basically graphic novels, or it says also like like. Uh, Web comics. I mean, to some extent, the the divine. Yeah, they, they take serial stories in there as well, and well, a lot of times the serial stories get con- collected into graphic novels. Well, as I see, so well. like the one of the nominees for best graphic story is uh, "Full Frontal Nerdity" by Aaron Williams, mm-hmm. which is a web comic, and there are several volumes. I, I linked to one uh, on the on the website uh, on the web page just to kind of say okay, like there. But I found like six or seven that are called full frontal nerdity with subtitles. Aaron Williams is a guy who has been doing web comics for a long time. Uh, I met him and loved his work on a series that he didn't finish called, uh, and, and this is my calling him out for it called PS two thirty eight about an elementary right. school for superheroes. Yeah. Uh, my kids love those books. And so, um, really, really funny, funny creator, the divine, uh, from first, second book, so I don't think anyone. I don't. I don't know much about it. It's like first, second is always an interesting publisher. I don't know. Aaron dies alone. Dyingalone.net, I will assume again is uh, is a web comic. Yeah, I don't know it myself. Invisible Republic from Image Comics, although on Amazon currently only available on Kindle. Interesting. 
So um, I, I don't know what's there. I, I know I've seen it on the stands. It's from Image. So, you know, I suppose that gives it legitimacy. And the Sandman Overture from Vertigo, uh, th- which is Neil Gaiman, who's going to argue with that. Um, which I, I really need to get that volume because I don't think I ever finished reading the Sandman and Overture. And Williams. And, and the third. The third. But not, but not Mick Gray inking this time, I don't think. Um, but, uh, that book was so delayed that I lost track of where I'd put like the <laughs> second or third issue. Did Williams do the, uh, what is it? Started with a P. Prometheus? Promethea? No. Promethea? Yes. Okay. It was J.H. Williams was on Promethea with Alan Moore and Mick. Right. Inked, and Mick did Mick it. Ray inked, uh, inked him there. Yeah. So, and like, you know, just like every other Sandman story, each arc was always a different artist chosen right. perfectly, you know, to, uh, some might say not perfectly, but but to match up, to be to be uh, alongside whatever tone Neil Gaiman was going for, best dramatic presentation, long form, mm-hmm. Avengers: Age of Ultron. Uh, I will s- say some of these are almost like popularity contest, and probably and that's that's and, the way a lot of this is, right? And they're things, but they're also things that the mainstream uh, who's going to argue with Avengers, uh, Ex Machina. Which was a very powerful film. Two, I would say, on this list, two really powerful films that I don't think enough people. I still did haven't see. seen it, and it's on. It's actually open on my browser because it's free with Amazon Prime mm-hmm. to watch. I did notice that, but I, I saw it in the theater. You will enjoy that film. It's um, great, uh, great, great film. As is Mad Max: Fury Road. Yes, there's no question that was one of the best pictures of 2015. Uh, Right? That was 2015. Yeah. The, the years all blur yes. since we're in science fiction years right now. The Martian. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, really? No, no, I liked The Martian, but it's almost to the point of like this thing was so popular and so, you know, yeah. it's like it, it needs nothing more. As is, let's Did honest. you read the book? No. You should read the book. You should get another four hours in the day and read the book. Yeah, thank you for at least acknowledging that's the problem. I know. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, It's a little independent film that no one had heard of, so I don't think it got enough attention. Uh, I think the Hugos could really do something for it. Then over in Best Dramatic Presentation, short form, Doctor Who, Heaven Sent. That was the season ender for Peter Capaldi. It was a Uh, two-parter. Hellbent. Hellbent and Heaven Heaven Sent. Sent, right, but... Yeah, Heaven Sent the one nominated. Yeah, that's why. That's why that's the season, the the season ender. Uh, Grim. I can't speak to an episode of Grim. I haven't watched it since the first season. I'm right there with you. I watched about the half of the first season. But it's said, one of those shows. People that like it's been Grimm, around for. But people that like Grim. Oh yeah, love Grim. Yeah, and they're you know so. Uh, and we last year interviewed one of the the staff writers uh, mm-hmm. for his show uh, Build. Uh, for his play, Build, and he turned right. out to be working on Grimm. Uh, Jessica Jones. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, a.k.a. Smile. The interesting thing about Jessica Jones is not only was that show for on Netflix based on a, a uh, now called a.k.a. Jessica Jones in comics, but originally called Alias by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael right. Gatiss, uh, it was also, it's also been awarded a Peabody. Nice. Uh, so I believe it's on Monday. Well, next Monday will be the ceremony for that, and it's a big breakthrough because this is the first time that a comics-related work has been awarded a Peabody. Netflix got three nom- three Peabody awards for um, 
Aziz Ansari's show, Master of None, uh-huh. and uh, and the film with Idris Elba, Beasts of No Nation, okay, which was uh, Academy Award nominated as well. But these Peabody Awards are for excellence in journalism or in in dealing with ideas and concepts. And because of uh, what Jessica Jones as a series has to say about consent, it's not at all a lightweight story either. It's just no, a, no. I and I I have it, I have, it will hit you emotionally. I have relatives who love. The superhero stuff, and I said, and and uh, my brother-in-law was just saying, like, uh, well, we watched the first season of Daredevil. Haven't gotten to the second. I really want to watch Jessica Jones. It's just just be ready, yeah, because it's just it's it's an intense, intense and you know as series, and it, 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 the source material is pretty intense too. But I think they actually stepped it up in the Netflix. Oh, I I would agree with that because yeah. I think I think there is something with comics where you can you can distance because you can yeah. close the book. It's like as I said last week with the Eisner nominations. That with March, when I get upset about what happened in real life uh, to Representative John Lewis, I could close the book uh-huh. and walk away. And I mean, they could do that. You could turn off the Netflix too. You turn off the TV, but it's somehow hard. you keep watching for some reason. Right, right, right. You, you don't want to lose the the rhythm, whereas it's easier to catch up. You know, to I think it also had to do with pacing the story over over the the arc of the story because. The Purple Man aspect of the story is just the last part of it. It's not right. I mean, that was there's a lot more going on they in that. It, well, they had to cut out a lot of the Marvel Universe crossover yeah, thing and the, yeah. and the world building. So, uh, and it worked. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, The Cutie Map, Parts 1 and 2. Now, you said earlier when we were getting coffee that you thought this was kind of a joke nomination. But I, I want to say, you know, these are the things that get the Hugo's attention is in... There are plenty of people that really, really love that show. In fact, today, as I was getting all my ducks in a row to attend Baycon, because I thought first I was going to be out of town and now I'm not, so I could attend Baycon, um, on the Baycon page, there's a whole subsection on Facebook for the local My Little Pony convention, and I almost got the hotel for the wrong convention. Oh, that would have been... <laughs> not, not the first time cool. that I've shown up. At you the, would have enjoyed the brony pony parties. Uh, uh, no, I stumbled in one in Anaheim once. Uh, that was that was like... That was that was a film comedy waiting to be... Happy. There was a... I, I think I've said that... Uh, the, the Anaheim Convention Center Marriott, uh, which... The, the one that's right there because there's like three or four Marriotts uh-huh. like right oh yeah there. they're very and know. that's why I went I, I ended up at the wrong one right I you know gone I've had taxis go to the wrong ones yeah um and it was uh like some kind of uh health food convention <laughs> uh conservative Christian high school prom uh-huh and bronies nice and you know nice. it was all in full. Whatever regalia you think go with any one of those subsets, nice. subgroups, they were all there in completely, you know, colliding. And I was just like, I might be at the wrong hotel. <laughs> I just might be. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to go to Disneyland. Is that okay? That's oh, like the, the episode of uh, Con Man. The, uh, Con Man that. Uh, yeah. 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 So uh, we'll get back to that, won't yeah, we? we will. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I know that the people, I mean, for gosh sakes, you know, David Tennant went on that show. Uh, and Supernatural, just my imagination. Uh, again, I'm not a Supernatural fan. My daughter loves that show. You know, when I was at, at Salt Lake City, uh, the f- uh, the f- uh, Fantasy Con that yes. they had there, 
they had uh, they were heavy on people from uh, supernatural and the audience was huge and they were so passionate and there is like this was part of fandom i never actually made contact with but they have their mythology and, and they have the character sec- growth and in, here's how you know yeah walk into a hot topic yeah Oh, yeah. I was in one this weekend. Supernatural yeah. has a huge section. Definitely. And at Gallifrey 1, one of the pun- the most beloved punchlines and a theme that was running through like the program was there is a supernatural Doctor Who like cross-section of fandom. It was a punchline at the uh, in, in the Idiot's Lantern, the sketch show, where they combined all the these Doctor's things and they brought in the Winchester brothers to solve. And like the crowd went nuts, and I'm like just staring going, I... I guess like it's I Reese's said, pieces my fandom. daughter my daughter loves it well you know but that's the thing is like yeah the fandom crosses over and that's yeah. and and it's so again I look at nominations whether there's political chicanery or not of like well you might actually turn me on to something that I didn't know I might like that's true but that's what we're here for too that's true uh and yet I and I'm not saying this was Tower Graves because it's just funny to me. Is it? Uh, and yeah, despite people saying they nominated us, we are not in the nominations for. Best I think fan there cast. are many, many more podcasts getting nominated, and they're also a little more focused on the uh, nominations. Well, and as I've said, yeah. any you know any idiot with a with the money to pay for a URL can, uh, for, can for a domain can put start a podcast. podcast. Yeah, and and I am that idiot. So uh, <laughs> it's you know I understand how that goes. Um, that's been my standard line and it's true. And when I started, there were only three of us, uh, you know, so it's okay. Uh, so let's get to comics and we were, we, we've gotten permission to talk about something for free comic book day. Yeah. So, uh, which is the, uh, spectrum. We, uh, Rick just talked about con man, a little scene from the, the web series from Vimeo, which is now on iTunes, which is. I don't know where else it's going to go, but I'm sure it's going to go someplace else. Uh, but it is currently available from iTunes. The web series uh, written by Alan Tudyk and PJ Harsma, and executive produced or yeah, executive produced by PJ and also starring Tudyk and Nathan Fillion as actors on the well and a lot of guest stars all through that. You know, my favorite is Casper Van Dien from uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. is a bartender, and it's yes. just like you know. He is, uh, he, by the way, was a lost Tarzan. He was the Tarzan that everybody mocked for wearing short pants. And yet I noticed that Alexander Skarsgård oh, yeah. wears shorts and nobody has a problem with it. So Casper Van Dien did it. And I think it was ahead of his time. It wasn't Tarzan the Lost City of, maybe it was Tarzan the Lost City of Gold. It's kind of like a, it's, it really is like a lost Tarzan movie from okay. the 90s. Um, but it, and Sean asked and some really just, you know, it's definitely they Felicia Day's they in called it. Into, Felicia Day's character is very funny. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what it has to do with comics is that, of course, we've talked about this before, that uh, Tudyk and PJ Harsma uh, have written Spectrum, which is the show within a show, the show that Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk's characters it's in the comic Man, adaptation of, of the, series the series that we barely get to see. Right. So, uh, it's, which is great, <laughs> which is very interesting. And anyway, automatic publishing, uh, which is a company we've been, uh, that have been friends with us and we've been friends with for, I uh, really since before fanboy planet started with the looking glass wars, Frank Bedor, uh, 
who wrote that series of novels has decided that at this stage in the game, he's going to publish other people's works as well. So he started, uh, he picked up to do automatic publishing, which I guess previously had just been the Hatter M, but even the first Hatter M miniseries was image. Yeah. Cause I have the individual issues of that from Mm -hmm. image. Um, so at any rate, spectrum comes out for free comic book day. The first issue complete for free. And we both read, Yes, I read it today. Uh, so. I was su- I was so surprised at how well written and deep it was, and yet evocative of so many things I love in in the genre. Well, I don't know that I was surprised by it. I thought, but uh, you made a. Com- I was pleasantly surprised. You made a comment that I thought, huh? You'd said it before. I'd had a chance to read it, and yeah. I went, "This is true." Uh, that it feels very much like Star Blazers. Yes. And uh, so, uh, and I consider that a good thing because, again, oh, if only you could go to dinner with us before we record and hear all our conversations. We were talking about anime, and Star Blazers was one of the few things in anime uh, that I actually watched all the way through and loved. So, so you were probably still in school when it when it was, it was on you, Captain Cosmic you, on you, Channel Two. I was still in I was still in yeah, high school. Yeah, and it was the. You know what? I might have been even in middle school when when that started. Um, and what I loved about it was, you know, it, it was because the first time I'd ever encountered uh, a fictional character named Derek. Yes. So when you had Derek Wildstar, I was like, right. "Woohoo! Yes, somebody has my name." Uh, but I liked it, and I liked Deslock. I mean, that was the thing. I that to me is like the the, the honorable enemy. That is like one of my favorite tropes oh, yeah. in genre yeah, yeah. fiction. And uh, so I, I loved Leader Deslock and oh, he's, he's like uh, Lensman. Um, oh no, Skylark. Uh, Skylark Duquest was one of the first uh, first honorable science. Fiction. I will uh, I will take your word for it. Yeah. Uh, so at any rate, uh, this is why you spoke to the Hugo nominations better than I did. Uh, so E. 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 Doc Smith. Uh, I know who okay. wrote it. Uh, yeah. Again, the four hours you're going to get today. A day? You're going to give me four hours a day <laughs> to read? You, four you know hours. what? I, I'm going to take four hours of sleep away uh, and give I, you four hours of wake I got a lot of words with friends to play. Okay. Uh, and according to my son, a lot of Lego Dimensions and Disney <laughs> Infinity. So, And now Ratchet and Clank to get ready for that movie. Nice. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was, it was a fun read. It, it was an interesting... Uh, it's got a lot of potential, I think, to to be a a, a, a big fun book. And, yeah, and and I love that they're give, just giving away that first issue, get you involved, and oh, and uh, the history they throw into that first. I mean, all the prehistory that they just kind of. There's so much there that they can go back and write more stories about. And later. you know, and here's the I admit, here's the sad thing for me is like, is that the first couple of pages uh-huh. because I was. I was reading Nathan Fillion's character in Nathan Fillion's voice. It, it was like I was predisposed to find it funny, and it's not really funny. No. But because I, I was <laughs> seeing him do with it because, you know, it's related to a web comedy right. that I, I was taking it in the wrong tone. And then after about the third page, I'm like, I, I have to go back now and, <laughs> and reread this in all the seriousness it's intended. And it, and it is fine. And it's, it, I fully admit, completely my fault that i was finding it i was trying to read it sure, as a parody sure sure and it's not it's a it's a it's a fairly straightforward sci-fi yeah you know adventure call to adventure really you know and interesting 
interesting situation with the alien race. And so, I'm, and it's going to be on free on free comic book day. Uh, yeah. You can't go wrong. Nope. Uh, so, uh, something that's not going to be free, but which I'm going to have to buy, uh, IDW is picking up. This is interesting for Disney fans. There was a silly symphonies comic strip and it's never been collected. I didn't know in that. America. I, the origin of a character that I actually recall, um, is the, the that I've seen uh, was it was only in the comic strip was uh, Bucky Bug, and I've seen like pictures of him and sketches and so forth and so on. These are strips from the 30s yeah. when silly symphonies would have been big enough to do that. And so they're collecting 192 pages into a hardcover volume one. There may be more, and it's part of their. Were these like from daily strips or something? They were daily strips, okay. and so they're gathering them up. And again, you know, I don't think I got to mention last week, but, you know, Joe Comics, which we talked about, that Canadian publisher, uh, is uh, doing Frozen as an ongoing series starting this mm, summer. Mm-hmm. So the continuing adventures of Olaf and Anna and Elsa. Some of you like Anna and Elsa. Some of you just like Olaf. Let's admit it. Let's be honest. But it is interesting to me still the piecemeal nature of the Disney licensing. Like, they have no overall strategy. Disney owns Marvel, but Marvel's only right, doing right, right. Disney Kingdoms. And then uh, Paper Cuts is doing these Italian Mickey Mouse books. And yet some of them, if they fall under Walt Disney's comics and stories, IDW wants that. And so Disney is like whoever wants to license a specific Yeah, and there was property. that Star Wars uh, graphic novel, too. Right, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a lot of material out there that's like, and Disney's doing their own thing. Hyperion is occasionally releasing stuff because I, I think a year or two ago, I brought up, I found the Space Mountain graphic novel. Now, D- Marvel had already started Disney Kingdoms, and then they've got this Space Mountain with Kelly Jones doing art. And it was, I, saw it in, I saw it in the park, picked it up and went, okay. And it's like, it's clearly was developed as like a four-issue miniseries somewhere and they collected it together but there was no individual publication of it so it's who knows who knows but anyway that you know so idw is gathering that i'm looking forward to that because that's stuff that we haven't seen just as like want to remind you i think that i think this week is also when the the first volume of the british star trek comics from idw that we had talked about months ago that have never been seen in the u.s uh when were they printed in the 60s during before star trek had actually made it over to england so they got the license and they had photos cool and they had to make up their own explanation for what those photos meant so apparently they're very trippy comics and the first volume is coming out i think this week so so uh, spock's an energy vampire who actually sucks energy out uh, no there is an energy vampire somewhere there's something there's you know the, the supernatural got involved which is not that far off from what Gold Key did. Oh. Uh, you know, Gold Key did some pretty wacky stuff. Oh, no, Gold Key, stuff. they had some... You know, they, they, did, were, they, they did, did a lot of stuff that was very close to Space Family Robinson in that book. How funny, because today I posted that. The uh, oh, yeah. review pages yeah, from yeah. Lost in Space Volume 2. Issue 2. Uh, so, which is at least going to be at least nine issues. Um, so, uh, there's also a publisher... I talked, they kind of showed up on the scene last year called Black Mask. Uh, comics and they're doing and they're going to flood the market. I mean, I, I, I no, that's the best word for it. They're going to flood the market with a bunch of titles, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of articles about this with retailers going. There's so much yeah. stuff, 
and it's so hard for people to actually make money in comics because there's just so much. So if a publisher comes along and says, oh, yes, this year in 2016, we're going to put out 12 titles. Yeah. And, well, I, DC's going to put out 50. Oh, I'm sorry. They're doing 50, 49. Um, do you ever buy a copy of Previews Magazine or just flip through it? Sometimes. And you look and you, it's like 98% of what's in it there. It gives me a headache. I, I just can't I can't. And imagine. I say that as someone who's been who's put – had books in there and gone i know and now when anybody comes to me and says they you know i got a property what you know where you know i want to self-publish and i go no that is just not that i mean i suppose the long game if you can afford to lose money as a publisher out of the outset you are gambling honestly that someone else is going to pick it up yeah and and that's fine i don't begrudge anybody that you know that thing, but but know that there's just not the if you're out you of nowhere shouldn't be in it for the long run as far as doing it yourself. Well, yeah, well you can't be. Yeah. you know that's that that that's the problem. And I say having been involved with a couple of companies that went, um, you know that's it, it, because there's so much, there's just so much noise. Yeah. I look and I pick up that that previews. Luckily, at elusive, they sometimes just let me thumb through it, and at least DC's done the right thing. I want to say like. Uh, for their Hanna Barbera, there's going to be a previews extra that's free, like uh, with Rebirth. So you can okay. get the previews, Rebirth, and you could look through everything, and, and that was free. So I could see what I wanted for that. Um, and the same thing's going to be with Hanna Barbera. So you get a little preview of the Scooby Doo Apocalypse and and the uh, Future Quest and, and the Flintstones, all that. So, um, but this Blast Ma- Black Mask is doing this thing called Class of 2016. So they're going to take like 12 titles, but there's two that I want to call out. One, Adrian Palicki, who is Mockingbird, is co-writing with Eric Palicki, I'm, who has been writing Guardians of Infinity for Marvel. Hmm. Um, I'm going to presume husband, maybe? I don't know. Uh, or brother. Related somehow, somebody... This is that chance to write into editor at fanboyplanet.com and tell me what the relation is between the two of them. They clearly share the same surname. Yes. Uh, but they're doing a, a title called No Angel, described as kind of some the concepts that usually get draw me in. Religious texts from the Bible to the Sumerian tablets speak of strange creatures descending from the heavens and mating with humans. Their children, the superhuman heroes of myth. None of this ever meant anything to Iraq war veteran Hannah Gregory until she found herself in the crosshairs of a dangerous cult, convinced that she's a descendant of those dangerous bloodlines. Bloodlines that are determined to eradicate. Uh, so they say it's uh, a, in the style of Preacher meets Justified by way of Jodorowsky, the film director. Uh, again, called No Angel and clearly designed, as we've seen time and time again, as... Uh, a vehicle that could possibly be sold and be a movie starring Adrian Pilecki, which I don't begrudge. She's, she's a fine, she, she could get close to being a really good action star. If she in the right vehicle, go to the big screen. Um, it is interesting because I saw people like saying like, like hacktivist, which by the way, people hacktivists did start a second volume. So Alyssa Milano didn't do that book because she wanted to star uh, she actually had an idea and developed, and I still stand by that one as she had a story to tell. Um, and not that uh, Adrian Palicki doesn't. She may. And Black, which was a huge Kickstarter in February. I actually contributed to this, uh, which is created by Kwanzaa Osage. Oh, dang it. I don't. I hope I don't mess this up too horribly. Kwanzaa Osayefo 
Tim Smith III, Jamal Eigel, and Kerry Randolph, which is a graphic novel positing what happens if, what would to happen in a world that only black people had superpowers? Hmm. And so that they have to hide it from a very racist white overculture. Interesting. Uh, and this was one of those huge uh, Kickstarter success So they stories. all put on eyeglasses and comb their hair different. Oh, you're an idiot. By the way, that's Rick Brett at MSN.com. The hate mail goes to. That was a Superman reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh-huh. I know. But yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Eric is Adrian's brother. Brother. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, X-Men meets The Wire. And uh, it, it blazed through. They, they I used their wording. Blazed through Black History Month. But it was February was when they did the Kickstarter campaign. It earned $91,973. More than three times its funding goal. So one of those great success yeah. stories, which, I mean, proves is, you know, there is an audience for diversity. This came up again. I saw this. I can't remember which website, but retailers complaining. It's like you talk about diverse comics, and then they do them and nobody buys them. So this was clearly. There's an audience. Some, there's an audience, and they, yes. want, and, and they want this. They want interesting concepts. I don't know how. Power Man and Iron Fist is doing. I, I'm loving that book. David Walker mm-hmm. creating. Um, Black Panther, I think, did well when it launched. Tony Hesey Coates uh, writing. It's a very different. Uh, both are very different from, from the stories that have gone before. I mean, Black Panther. I, I bought it. I I still in my bag. I haven't okay. read it yet. But uh, I mean, Black Panther kind of is. The last couple of, of Black Panther storylines have been a little convoluted because they wanted to free the character up. So they made him not the king. Mm-hmm. But then they had to introduce all these characters to explain why he didn't have to be in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. But uh, Wakanda, Wakanda, but that just made that part of the story that much more top heavy. And so, um, in this case, it's, he's back to being the king, and um, it's back to a. It is one of the advantages of of Secret Wars that reset. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I really liked the the first issue. I haven't they, I haven't seen the second issue yet. No, because be the first issue just came out two weeks ago. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I know. Time just yeah. gets away from us. Um, and to follow up on a story we had last week about Wizard World losing money, the CEO, John Macaluso, resigned this week, Eey. admitting that, yes, he had not led them well. Uh, I don't think he said it in those words publicly. He needed to spend more time with his family. Yes. And, uh, you know, and they wished him in well in future endeavors. Yes. And uh, so... Anyway, I, I still say it's pointing to, look, we're, you know, there's just, it's the same thing with comic book shops. There's just so much to spend money on and only so much money to spend, right? And so that's with all these conventions and you got to decide which one is the is the one for you. Um, so that was just a follow-up. Then uh, oh, we're just going to, you know, I keep stumbling into controversial topics. Movies. Marvel has discussed there's been some controversy, speaking of diversity, in Doctor Strange, uh, which was that Tilda Swinton had been cast as the Ancient One. Yes. Doesn't look very ancient. And I wonder if they're even going to call her the Ancient One. I guess they are, because I think that it's an IMDb listing. So this has got to be about the uh, the fact that they've, they're that it's an older woman getting a, a role in Hollywood. Uh, that it's not an older Asian man. Oh, is that it? Well, you know, like Joel Gray and Remo Williams, the uh, right. adventure continues. Uh, or adventure begins, I'm sorry. Uh, no, a long history of, yeah, they, they said there was a chance for an Asian actor. I don't know if Marvel's defense of this 
is good or not. I'm just putting it out for you. People can, can when they announced Tilda Swinton, I thought, well, interesting choice because Tilda Swinton's an interesting actor. Mm-hmm. Now my Asian American acting actor friends are not happy with that choice. And I'm not going to say they're wrong. We, I, we have no reason to argue I, the point I, one way or the other, but they, but Marvel does. And Marvel's point was that, well, ancient, the ancient one is Tibetan. Mm-hmm. And one of their largest markets, one of Marvel's Mar- Mar- largest markets. Well, no, no, one of everybody's largest markets. Yes, let's true. be honest in, in in cinema, is is uh, is China. Yes, which does not acknowledge the right of Tibet to essentially exist. Exist. Yes. Uh, am I politically dangerous saying that? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much true. So that's an argument that's going on internally in their country. And Marvel said, uh, Marvel said, as if there's one person who's Marvel, but a, a representative of Marvel Studios said, if we had cast a, the Ancient One as someone identified as ethnically Tibetan, there's a very good chance that China would not have been allowed, that the Chinese audiences would not have been allowed to see Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's that thing uh, of who dictates the market and... You know, we acknowledge as I'm going to get political for a second. You notice that in this country right now, we've been definitely the, the issue of transgender restrooms in North Carolina. So forth, where where companies have said we stand, uh, you know, this is for human rights and equality. And yet in other countries that are probably that are likely worse on their record, nobody's threatening not to do business with them. Mm-hmm. So. I you know we we're we're living in sticky times. That's all yes. I can say. So uh, I I thought that Tilda Swinton was an interesting interesting choice. I don't know why they had to call her the ancient one, but for that matter, not to you know stick, put a stick in the hornet's nest. There's really strong evidence that Doctor Strange himself was originally intended to be Asian, as drawn by Steve Ditko, and then later artist. Uh, what would be the good word for it? Caucasized him. Um, you know, he became Caucasian when those first appearances before his real origin. Mm-hmm. It's it's really clear that uh, because when you compare the origin story, actual origin story, which was later, his his portrayal of the, of the ancient one as a Tibetan and his portrayal of what Doctor Strange looked like when nobody knew anything about his background are very are very similar. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Strange was originally intended, and because he was based on. A character, gee, played by a Transylvanian, by a Hungarian, uh, Bela Lugosi, Chandu the Magician. So he was based on an uh, on a 30s uh, Asian mystic character. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's... Uh, but then we're getting into the Iron Fist issue as well and all that. So, you know, it's... So I don't understand the Iron Fist issue. Oh, there was a great controversy on Netflix, uh, for Netflix, because they cast a white actor as Danny Rand... And the controversy was, here's a chance to... And again, I, I, I can't get into it because... But I, Danny Rand was white in the comics, right? Right. But what they're saying, you know, what the what the controversy is... <laughs> what a difficult episode of the podcast this shall be. What the controversy is, was, and ever shall be is that, yes, Danny Rand in the comics was white. But here is the chance, as you're saying, to mix up the casting... Right. And I mean, you've made think, Baron Mordo in the movies. In fact, you you've made almost every sidekick. Uh, you know, the the funny thing is when you look at 
Marvel in the 70s. Yes. And you look at the Kung Fu craze. Yes. Um, Marvel was doing what the media was doing. So mm-hmm. you did have, they, you had Bruce Lee and you had, you know, Sonny Chiba and all the other ones that came came before the real research, the real surge of Kung Fu action films, that at least the ones that came to the U.S. Bruce Lee, Shang-Chi. Yes. You had, I think Marvel even tried to license Bruce Lee at one point. And well, Bruce Lee was on the cover of at least two of the Deadly hang, Hands of Kung Fu. Yeah, I think uh, he had Drawn died, by Neil Adams. But I think he died before they could, could right. seal the, that deal. Yeah. The, the, you had, in the U.S., you had Billy Joel. Billy Joel. <laughs> Billy Jack. Okay, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> Billy Joel. I would love to see Billy Jack wandering the West. Um or Billy, Billy Joel. Joel wandering the West. You can't singing, even get your own bit straight. I can't even get my own mistakes straight. Uh, so, uh, but you had um, in Deadly Hands of the Kung Fu, you you had the Sons of the Dragon, which were white, Asian, and black. All mm-hmm. three, all three of them as a team. So Marvel really, as when they created these characters, were really mixing it up. They were they had multiple ethnicities doing this. Iron Fist is just the one that st- stuck around the most and resonated the or, most consistently, or or the pairing of with Luke Cage, l- with Luke Cage, because, and because that that you know, odd couple that's business a be- works well, and which is proof yeah. empowerment and Iron Fist right now. You go back to comics, David Walker's take on that, where it's clear. I mean, you want to talk busting stereotypes, yeah, which has been the evolution of Luke Cage. Power Man, yeah, who has Sweet Christmas, who has had some pretty embarrassing ethnic Tiaras. stereotypes to them. Well, you know, but even when he was like, they gave when the Max book gave him the gold teeth, and yes. he was all like, right, you know, he it was, was all gangsta. the gangsta. Um, and yeah, you feel free to hate me for saying that, you know, but it, but it's true. That's what they were doing. They were totally um, taking the hip hop called uh, rap. I mean, right. hardcore rap, and and. And overlaying that on on Luke Cage, and it really took, uh, you know, they evolved him, and now what David Walker is doing with him is, which it was on its way, was he doesn't want to be a superhero, right? He just wants to be a good family man, father, yeah, and a good father. He's got a baby Not with abandoned. Jessica Jones, yeah. and 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 he dresses very Natalie, and then there's um, there's Danny Rand, who's like the happy idiot. I mean, you know, yeah. So it's just kind of like I want to be a superhero. It's almost like like Iron Fist was as aware of the Deadpool crossovers that they were doing, yes, um, and decided that was fun. You know, I mean, that's that's getting into other comics, but you, that like they separated that out as its own trade paperback. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. My argument back is knowing the history of the character, yes. But then the flip side is. Most more people are going to see that television series than are ever, and I've said that with any oh, yeah. transmedia property that then that more people are going to see that TV series than have ever picked up a copy of Iron Fist as a comic. Uh, you know, totally. And, yeah. and so I get the the kind of like here was a chance, and then the counter argument is, oh, so that um, you know, basically every time you have an Asian character, he has to know kung fu, right? And, you know, so there, this is the thing is when we step into this PC-ness, 
And I see a need for it. I totally, I do see the need for diversity in casting and and I would say on all that Marvel is doing it wonderfully. But there's an argument on all sides. We've got you know? an Asian Hulk now. We got you know, I, and I think yeah, I we've got I a would, Muslim. I would agree with that. Is that like I said for the cinematic universe? What's going on on the comics right now is perfect because a whole generation is going to come up. And that's going to be their Hulk. Amadeus Cho is going yes. to be Hulk. And Kamala Khan is Ms. Marvel. Right. And and Miles, God bless him, I was at a Build-A-Bear, and there's a little Miles Morales Build-A-Bear nice, already. Nice. I mean, I, I saw the Marvel ones. I didn't notice there was a Miles one. Well, because they have two sets. They have the ones you can build, and then they've got pre-built little oh, ones okay. over there. So Miles is over there, you know. Okay. I mean, not that you could tell, you know. Cause I didn't go in. Masked. I was just walking by. Well, I walked by because they had the Boba Fett mask. You know, they've got a whole Boba ah, Fett nice. suit for the bear. Um, which reminds me, i got to take my son to try to find Pikachu because that's sold out in Anaheim. Uh, you can build a bear Pikachu. Because um, my son's obsessed with Pokemon. Uh, you know, and that's the thing. The thing is, there's a whole generation coming up for which it's going to be a melting pot. So I, I understand the sides. I also understand my friends that say, by the way, worked on Iron Fist are like, no, our character was Danny Rand. You know, can yeah. we just do that? That's the controversy you asked. Thanks. Send all hate mail to editor at fanboyplanet.com. I swear to God, I'm just trying to make my way through a difficult situation as a middle-aged white man and be fair to everyone. Yes. Um, and the one thing that can be fair to me is that there was a new X-Men trailer, which, uh, you know. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. I think it's funny. It was, some people said they know too much now about the plot. Which I find ironic because I feel that way about every superhero movie that gets that gets marketed. Oh, yeah. But of all things, and I was saying, I can't remember who I was saying it to just last night, is that it hit the cylinders of I don't care about the plot. I care about are there the character moments that make them the X Men to me because that's X Men, yes. right? Yes. And then it is almost like I could say your argument's valid and yet for not the reason you said. <laughs> I almost now have seen too much about the character moments. That trailer is full of the character moments yes. that tell me that's X-Men. Yes. And a couple would have been nice to have a surprise. But it's still... My hope is that someday we're going to have a director who's going to have the gumption to have them playing baseball on the field for 90 minutes i don't think that no 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 I, for five minutes until they get interrupted by sentinels or something that's what's going to happen yeah you know how do you know this one doesn't i don't i i don't know that don't. maybe that's, that's my hope the end you know i mean that's i mean that's from the beginning x you know brian singer tried that i mean essentially when you get when wolverine first walks on to the mansion grounds the kids are all playing i was like playing basketball yeah. it's just recess yes which I think makes more sense cinematically. Again, you're never going to see every moment. It's sort of that I you remind me of when uh, my name dropping when we were doing. My gosh, I, I'm burping my coffee. Sorry, you probably didn't hear that. Uh, that when we were doing the the Greatest American Hero comic book and we had a panel at Comic Con with Robert Culp and Bill Cat and Connie Selica and we're sitting there and I said, okay, we have a three issue miniseries. And if it sells well, we're going to go on. And now that's a television series where people are going, are you going to do this? Are you going to bring back this thing? And it's like, we have a three-issue three miniseries to reestablish the character. And everybody's got their thing they want. Right. Now, I will grant you that base. But let's also, 
that was one issue out of 10,000 different X-Men comics, uh, you know. Yes. Because you know what I want to see? A Banff, for that matter. You know, mm. get to the point where you can tell an X-Men story where Nightcrawler, where you do Kitty's fairy tale. But what this trailer does for me is it gives me Quicksilver, not the Quicksilver I know, you know, but right. not the one from the comics, really. That's an arrogant thought. Right. Evan Peterson is actually, uh, you know, is, is like, that's a fun character in and of himself. The Quicksilver from the comics was kind of almost actually the one that died in Avengers. The Quicksilver yes. here is like a just a, a good X Man to fit. You know, to, he's, to, he's a fun X Man. He's a fun you know, take on the character. You have you kind of you have your Cyclops moment. There's definitely a revelation with and then somebody. I think it's David J. Fowley. Don't mind calling him out on this, because he said he felt like Jennifer Lawrence uh, Mystique has become far more important to these movies than she would have if it wasn't Jennifer Lawrence. And I and I do wonder, because I have no idea yeah. how much they plotted ahead when they did First Class and they cast her right. and she really wasn't that big. I'm going to side with you on this. The thing is, out of all those actors, yes. that's the Oscar-winning actor. Exactly. You don't put her in the Rebecca Romaine Stamos role. Right. You put her in the Jennifer Lawrence role. Right. And and unfortunately for for fans of X Men, that role happened to have already been Mystique. Yes. So she became a lot more important to. I don't know if it was meant as a trilogy. I'll be surprised though if if she does dominate this that much. I mean, because they've got a lot of characters. They've got a lot to get through. Yeah. Which is proof you know, you can do that. And there's I and mean, she's not a horseman. She, first uh, time we saw. Well, I'm surprised that Psylocke is. Quite honestly. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Betsy introduced before she gets converted because now she just seems like, yeah, she's a whole Olivia yeah. Munn, you know, and that's yeah. fine. I don't, yeah. Um, it, and, and there's a first shot of Jubilee. Yeah. So, you know, it was nice to see to see her in there. So And she looks she looks much more Asian in, I mean, I mean she's probably than, about, a, than any other actress who has been cast as Jubilee. Right, right. Because she I appeared, think that was a good, a good casting move. Jubilee is in... The Last Stand, I think, really briefly. Yes, I yes, think she might briefly. have. We might have seen a see. And there's one other appearance. The okay. the Fox television movie of Generation X. Oh yes, yes. It was Jubilee. But I would say that there have been artists uh, for that book that have forgotten that she's that she's Asian, Asian. No, or Madraporian. Yeah. Yes, Malaysian. Yeah, I mean, I think is really where you go. But um, yeah, so. Uh, that 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 hits it on all on all cylinders for me. Uh, there was a little leak on Guardians of the Galaxy two of Nathan Fillion's cameo, and I want to say this because websites are going crazy again, exaggerating what it is. It is nothing more than a cameo, and it does not mean anything for the future of the Marvel universe. Just as at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, if you will. The appearance of Howard the Duck does not mean we're going to get that Man-Thing no. movie as much as I want it. Or, or even a Howard the Duck movie. Have you seen what the cameo is? No, I have not. <clears throat> I love this. I do truly think it's great because... Fillion was in the first movie, too. Yes, he, but he's heavily CG. Yes. This time, he's not. Okay. Somehow, having no idea how this fits in the plot, they end up on Earth and... There's a film festival going on. Oh, nice! And it's a it's a Simon Williams film festival. Oh my! And so they've and I don't know how visible this is going to be for the Simon actual Williams film. Wonder Man. Wonder Man, right? And so they have all the posters 
in the case, you know, on, outside the theater of the movies that Simon Williams stars in. So basically they're all big Parodies. pictures of Nathan Fillion. Right. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, instead of Jobs, you had Simon Williams as Stark. Uh-huh. So it's a parody of the Jobs poster. Right, right, right. There's a parody of the Conan the Barbarian poster with Archon. Uh-huh. Um, there's a rom-com where he's just looking with his chin on his hand. Right. Eyes rolled up and it's called Oh Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> or Oh Becky. I think it's Oh Becky. And there's another one. It's kind of a generic sci-fi uh, oh, accent. Uh, it's like a 30s or a 20s silent horror film. Haxan uh, is like a German thing. And so there's a okay. Haxan 2. So he's in the sequel. Nice. Is Simon Williams. So there are a lot of websites saying, Nathan Fillion's Wonder Man. I'm like, all we could see is that might be the extent of his cameo. And he'll be, quite honestly, if they had any plans to put Wonder Man in there, in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he'll be too old to play it because yes. he's 47. He's aging out of even Castle. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, my God, that, that show's been on for seven years. Yeah. It's going into an eighth season. Um, you know, and I, and I love Nathan Fillion. And he's great. But it's like, but it's a wonderful because it's a, a shorthand. If you know Wonder Man. Right. If you know Nathan Fillion, boom, it is a perfect. Yeah. But he's not big enough. They can't establish the cred in time. So please don't think that Wonder Man is crucial to the plot of Guardians of the Galaxy V2. It's really just a cool, cool cameo idea. Unless they play him as the old Wonder Man who passes the gauntlet on to, which wasn't from the book, of course. But Yeah, but didn't... Well, I was going to say, in the Valentino Guardians of the Galaxy, I think because he was made of ionic energy, he... He got really old and joined the Guardians of the Galaxy in three thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I know he was saying wasn't he called Hollywood then? That they changed his name because uh-huh. that's that's what he remembered was he was from Hollywood. So and and that's a character that's been kind of poorly served by comics because his personality has changed oh, yeah. depending on what they needed at the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. so his powers too and anyway, his, I think it's yeah. a cool it was a cool idea, but it, it's just, you know, again, I'm seeing a lot of sites just like and, and uh, a friend asked me last night, you know, what do you think of Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man? Good choice. I'm like, that's that's not what it is. It's just a throwaway joke. Yeah. You know, so let's not go. Um, they have announced that Sherlock Holmes 3 with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law is in development now. I actually love those movies. I, I would. I, I like them. So looking forward to that. I like them. I'm not. And I think that, I, you know, honestly, I do think that Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock is different enough from his Tony Stark. Yes. Uh, though very similar in potential personality, he differentiates them well. I thought they were fun. I, you know, it's I, I'm not unenthusiastic about that. I, it's sort of like I do wonder, has the moment passed? You know, or is it just you've is it gonna got, be the same director? That I don't know. Okay. It's gonna be Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Um, I might say no. Well, maybe because the last movie he did that made any money, and I'm sorry that we have to talk about it in these terms, but the last movie he did that was any money made any money was Sherlock to a, a Game of Shadows. Yeah. So you know, be- and and one thing about love about those their soundtracks are terrific. The the uh, I've I've got both the soundtracks and I can listen to those. Well, excellent. Uh, Anytime. We've also noted that you know, with Civil War coming up next week. Although, if you live in Europe, in the UK, it opens this Friday. I'm bitter. But May 6th, we get Captain America Civil War, and Chris Evans has been talking about how 
he's reaching the end of his contract. Mm. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And he's like, well, I know that the shield is, you know, it's getting passed on. I'm like, but it keeps getting passed back. You know, because in May, we're going to have a new, younger Steve Rogers again. Yep. Um, you know, on flip side, I don't remember if we mentioned this last week, that Robert Downey Jr. has signed to be in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, I didn't know that. So they are okay. going to cross over. And on the flip side, Tim Miller is saying, uh, <laughs> he's like, I, can we all sit down and have uh, like a Godfather kind of dinner and broker a Deadpool Spider-Man movie? I'm like, <laughs> We're not there yet, sir. Uh, you know, you got to make Spider-Man viable on his own. <laughs> and then uh, you can't get, I mean, it's almost like a Batman v Superman. You can't get to the Spider-Man Deadpool right. comic, which is hilarious. But you can't make that movie Without until you've really Spider-Man. established Spider-Man, right. you know, for, for a while. Um, but right afterwards. But in 10 years, Tom Holland will be old enough that you could probably pull that off, you know. Sure. Um, but it, but but anyway, with with Robert Downey Jr. in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, oh my God, because he said that on Jimmy Kimmel is like... Uh, when he said, you know, Mar- you know, they were talking about how Aunt May keeps getting younger and younger. And he's like, yeah, now she's Marissa Tomei, who is in Civil War. Aunt May is in Civil War right. as well. And and uh, Robert Downey Jr. said, like, it's Marissa Tomei. I mean, and, you know, Tony Stark and Aunt May. Imagine the possibilities. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's going to be sad. But true. Uh, so, you know, Chris Evans is not sure where he wants to go with it, except he says, I, these movies he's loved making. Uh, so he you can always continue. turn Sam Wilson into uh, Captain America. I know, but I like Steve Rogers. I do, I do too. You know, so, uh, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know because there's still people that are like, you know, is because Civil War the comic ends with Steve Rogers getting killed. Is that what Civil War is going to do with the movie? And I, you know, who knows? Who knows? But it didn't. I mean, Civil War ended with. It didn't really. It, that's not really the way it happened, though. It was like. The ramifications from Civil War was over. They did a Captain America right. series. Right, it was and another then thing. Got, then he was. Oh, killed. that's right. He was arrested, and then yeah. and then it was Agent Thirteen was yeah. brainwashed. It was it was several months after the end of Civil War. I can remember it all blurs. Yeah, uh, but, because Civil War ended months after Civil War ended, and that went right into that flipped right into another storyline, which really led right back into him coming back. Yeah, I, but I don't think it'd be Civil. I, I don't if Steve Rogers steps down at the end of Civil War. Yeah. However, whether fatality or not, I don't think it's Sam Wilson. I think you'd go to the Winter Soldier. I think you'd make Bucky the uh, yeah because that's that's what happened in the comics. We got Sam Wilson's Captain America it's recently, it's true, but it but it was Bucky then, and I think that speaks. The only difference I think is that Bucky is much uh, as as being a focus of the Civil War. Bucky's past is much more of a haunting thing for him, and that's what drove him out of being Captain America when it was exposed that he right. was. But I'm saying I think that's more dramatic a storyline. Yeah, and you know that's that's worth a, that's worth the fourth Captain America yeah. movie, which will take the slot that is now vacated by uh, Inhumans not existing anymore. Yeah, uh, as a film. Uh, so, and you know, I, 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 just to reflect for a second, I was. Just looking over my stacks of comics that I've been reading, and X Men comic books are right next to the Inhuman comic books, and then you look at how the Uncanny Inhumans and the the mixing of the characters, and I think they've done a really good job. If if it is, I mean, as as we 
believe they've been emphasizing the Inhumans over the X-Men because they can do more with the Inhumans. Well, than it has, been, the has been noted elsewhere that there are stories where they say, like, oh, there's a problem. And so, Have you called the Inhumans? Right. Where it used to be, have you called the X-Men? Exactly. So, so I think they've just done a really splendid job at, at pumping the Inhumans into the system. And even they've even gone so far as to convert X-Men to Inhuman status. So... Yes, uh, but I, I, but it's still our characters that to me they were set apart as so weird and so different. The Inhumans, I ne- yes, the yes. Inhumans. I never found them likable. So, you know, I, I always thought, I, except for Lockjaw, um, you, you got to have the big dog. I mean, you know, Crystal was just a non-entity who kept coming in and out of Fantastic Four stories for me. Yeah, Black Bolt couldn't speak. And you know, Medusa, but she was always arrogant, and she started as a villain. So Gorgon and Karnak and uh, and uh, Triton. Triton were my favorites, but they never they never resonated with me because no. they were always because they're always in the stories I read. They were always in concert with the other characters I didn't like. Did you read the the Amazing Adventures? Uh, no, I never did. Book that was probably my favorite. But I'm running. pretty sure that's on Marvel Comics. It probably is. And I could look that up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I don't dislike them. It's just like, but that was one of those things where I'm just like, I'm not into them as, a, I don't need them as a concept, I guess. for the mm-hmm. And that's the problem with, we're again back to this idea. When you're doing a cinematic universe and mm-hmm. your subject is everybody wants to get their story in and their favorite is like, no, they've got to, and, and I'm sure that Marvel's productions, Marvel Studios could do a really good Inhumans film with Black Bolt and with the Royal Family of Adelaide. I, I would I I'm not saying they wouldn't, but in the meantime, you know, they had to shift it in the first place because unexpectedly Ant Man did really well and they wanted Wasp. So right. they weren't planning on a sequel and now there is an Ant Man and the Wasp and that's and, and that's what Warner Brothers is finding too is they had to shift their schedule because oh, the two things that people universally seem to like about Batman v Superman is if Ben Affleck could be in a solo Batman right. movie, people would like that. Right. So we got to find room. bad guys. So we got to find room for that on yes. the schedule. And Wonder Woman may be hotter than we thought, and therefore we got to find a room for a Wonder Woman too. Yes. So you know, suddenly all those plans where you go, okay, you know, well, we're through 2020, Green Lantern core. People should want to see that. Doesn't it but, feel like science fiction to be saying movies out to 2020? Well, good Lord, that's what I was saying. We're in 2016. I'm looking at stuff and I have to plan already. I mean, look, what, two weeks ago was, you know, the sales for Gallifrey 1 2017. And yes. I'm like, I'm already making plans for the 2017 convention season. Right. I don't want to do that, but I've already had to do that. Lay out and be ready for, oh, D23 in 2017. Yes. And I haven't gotten through convention seasons good 2016. 2016. But then we're in 2016 where I where my five-year-old self ha- had an existential crisis and put off that I would solve it by the year 2000. Good. How do you do on that? He didn't do well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it helped the five-year-old get to sleep. But, you know, when the year 2000 hit, <laughs> I'm just like, that was so far in the future even, oh, even yeah. that. Was, oh, yeah. I, Another conversation I had recently in the passing of Prince, how beautifully that song 1999, how the choosing the year 1999 from 1982 mm-hmm. was such a sci-fi concept. Right. 
that even though it wasn't that far in the future, it felt like a year that was, uh, you could pick that date and it seemed so it was going to be as I, and even now in 2016, 1999 still feels like it, not in a way that 1899 did. 1899 feels like that's a Western 1999 still feels like that's a sci-fi. And they year. all got it wrong. Cause the millennia is not is 2000. Yeah. I know. I, I, I know. Uh, I've had a few arguments on that one, yeah. uh, and got them, but I'm right. That's why it's 2001: A Space Odyssey. That's the new one. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. and that still feels like a sci-fi year, and we're past that. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get. to I got tell- married in 1984. So it's. I'm not even going to make any. I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about the thought crimes you've committed. Yes. Uh, we we promised. I won't. I won't talk about them. I will just report. You'll you. think about them. I will report you. To, report you. Uh, anyway, I did just mention Jessica Jones is one of the Peabody Award. We're going to go into TV. Game of Thrones returned. Did you watch it? Yes. And I. The only comment I want to make is my favorite Comcast episodes summary for on demand <laughs> that I've ever seen. And I know there were two sentences after this, but the first sentence was like, "I can stop now." You go. Game of Thrones, season six, episode one. Click Game of Thrones. Jon Snow is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's like that's what the producers have been saying all year. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, I did. I did watch it. I I thought it was it was a good reintroduction of all the. Oh yeah, not enough Tyrion never is, but it was a good reintroduction. I thought. I like the fact that they just they jumped right into some of the storylines. Like they didn't, they got uh, Brienne back. Well, it with, takes like a minute. You know, it's literally a minute after the last episode yeah. of the previous season. So, and, and then you know, and then of course they're saying um, they may divide season seven and eight. It'd be shorter seasons. People are like, oh, we're you know, Game of Thrones is coming down. to an end soon. Like all things, what's the theme? All men must die. All shows must end, yes. and they're going to be shorter. And look, just it's okay. Tell the story well. You know, I've always thought that, given how complex that that storyline is, and how many you come into it with a lot of threads already open in in, yeah. in the story. My suspicion is that George R. R. Martin is going to end it along the same lines. There will be open thread lines. Not everything's going to wrap up neatly for that last story well no i i mean because the other thing and nobody <laughs> i'm back to stephen king how people have argued this with me is, is uh the reality is that when you tell a story this sprawling mm-hmm. this big there is no ending right. that will satisfy everyone and the reality of stories especially epics like this is they don't end the it goes on. That's the that's the whole thing. Some sins were committed before Game of Thrones began. Right. That set this in motion. Uh, you know, the Khaleesi, the mother of dragons. The Kingslayer. Has, has said, I want to break the wheel. But how likely is that? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has their goals. But every time you think there's something. That's why Tyrion. I, I love Tyrion for surviving. Because ultimately, despite the fact that he's the one who seems best suited to rule. Uh-huh. Or, you know, Jon Snow was as well, but, you know, um, that that he never really gets power. And 
people that do get power, anybody that seems to be a reasonable ruler gets killed in yes, this world. By the unreasonable people. By the unreasonable people. And maybe that's the message. Of the, in which case, it's always going to be evident. It's like what uh, Quentin Tarantino said once about Kill Bill. is like there's that he has one more movie back to make set there because the little girl whose mother gets killed uh Rebecca a fox uh uh-huh. plays right right the knife fight in the kitchen the knife fight in the kitchen the little girl witnesses it and he says that's the last movie that's kill bill part three where the little girl grows up and gets revenge on the bride uh-huh. and you know and and that's the and that's the nature of it when you've got there's always going to be someone trying to seek revenge and human nature being what it what it is is there will always be reasonable people but there will always be unreasonable people. Yeah. And so let Game of Thrones end where it will end. I will be happy because I've enjoyed the ride so far. Yes. Tom Savini has joined the cast of From Dust Till Dawn, the TV series, which I have never watched. I've watched I watched the first season and I watched part of the second season and it just seemed like okay, they're they're just this is uh, well, really it, it's notable because he was in the movie yeah yeah so and he's the makeup artist who did uh, day of the dead and he's he's kind of a fun character actor um he's gonna play a demon hunter semi-retired demon hunter. they expanded the mythology of the of the original movies uh the two because right, there's three there's three yeah um quite a bit you know to and so it gets the storylines move a lot slower than they did and i think the i mean what makes those movies for me is just the madcap craziness that once they get to the bar and then everything yeah it, it, the movie just flips and it's no longer the the was well, it my favorite thing about seeing that movie theatrically is i went with a friend i'll call you out michael sherman uh uh <laughs> this is my, my old writing partner we went to see this he had no idea Oh, it was a vampire movie. Right. He thought it was a Tarantino crime film. Right, he thought it was a Reservoir be- Dogs style. Which it begins style. as, and yes, that's why he exactly. wanted to go. And so we go, and I'm like, I didn't quite realize that he didn't know that. <laughs> and so I was ready for that bar thing to, to flip it all. And there's just kind of a, what the F moment. <laughs> it was like, the only thing that was better was, you know, my, my one-year practical joke on Michael Goodson of not telling him who Shelob was. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know, that it was a spider. But don't you, I mean, I actually live for that type of, that no, type of thing in movies. Give me or, something give, that surprise me. me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, you know, a, uh, for television right now, a series that isn't necessarily sci-fi, but it definitely has the loopiness of um, yeah, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. The comedy that Tina Fey throws in is so like I can't believe they went there. I didn't expect that. There's a meta. Uh, do you watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I've watched uh, two or three episodes. I haven't gotten back to it. Well, you know, John Hamm ended up it was the guy they cast as the person who had kidnapped the girls. Okay, uh, the Reverend. Yes, and so they they have an episode in season two where they said like the Reverend would say these crazy things like. Like we were in the hands of a, and they said we were in the hands of a madman, and then she says, "Yeah," and he would say these crazy things. Like he tried to convince us that he wrote that Coke commercial to convince <laughs> the world to sing. <laughs> so it's like he's going, "All right, you have to draw that connection and, and realize." Watching season two, 
that that's who was the reverend because he hasn't appeared in season in right. season two at all, right, right. but he appeared at the end of season one. So, and then there are, there's just all kinds of left field, you know, remark. there's an entire episode that is filled with songs from failed musicals Ooh. that they've made, you know, they're making up like uh gangly orphan Jeff, I think it was, which had the misfortune of opening a week after Annie. <laughs> <laughs> So just, it's just it's just a great show, but it's so it is it'll go anywhere that they need to for the comedy, it, you know, and, and I would agree, agree with you in a drama. And that's what I loved. My favorite Tarantino in Glorious Bastards is because is that that went it played with convention. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So much like you. This is what you expect. I shall turn on its head. And that moment, hopefully not a spoiler, in Inglorious Bastards now, at this point, when I realized that they were going to kill Hitler, I'm like, well, he's already told us it's a movie. Yes. He's already played with that. Okay. And you had to settle in and go, yeah, this is a revenge fantasy. Great. You know, so. Um, Before we get to the last the last mm-hmm. thing on your list, we there's something we're missing, and that is they published the cast list. Thank you. I did for put Twin Peaks, and why I wanted to mention it because my friend Derek is in it. Oh, cool! And uh, Derek Mears, uh, and he said yes. He's had to sit on that for so long, and it was really hard. So it's 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 a, just a fantastic cast. List. It's it's a two hundred and ten people cast list, and they've well, got. I mean, I'm sure there's people just about like everybody just in who a, from the original series who's still alive. That was my question. The guy that was Tony in um, West Side Story, uh, who was oh yeah, um, he was also he was Audrey Horn's father. Yeah, he was. He was also um, in Tom Thumb. No, no, that's no. Riff. Oh, that's Russ Riff. Tamlin. Right, Russ, Russ, Russ Tamlin, Tamlin is Russ there. Tamlin is. He is in the in the cast. Uh, <laughs> but that, I had never put the, the the West Side Story connection together. Though. Uh, neither had David Lynch. He did not know <laughs> that he had, that. that he had cast the nice. two leads, uh, two of the leads from West Side, West Side Story, Story in that as rivals. Uh, so uh, yeah, Audrey Horn's father, whose first name escapes me, but and now I'm, why am I blanking on the actor's name? He's not in the cast list, and I don't know if he's still alive. And uh-huh. that's, uh, so that's uh, I, I'm just curious. Um, Sherilyn Lee, Peggy Lipton, you know. Yeah, all these, all these names and just, people and some I have not seen since, uh, you know, since Twin Peaks. Uh, but uh, very, very excited to uh, you know to 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 see that cat. I mean, some great musicians in there too. I think Trent oh, yeah. Reznor's in there. Um, uh, Julie uh, Cruz. Julie Cruz is back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, I would suspect that uh, Derek Mears. I I, I don't know because he can't tell me anything but um that uh he might be taking the role played by carol striken because i don't think carol striken's alive was the giant uh who would appear to agent cooper in dreams how do you spell mirrors m-e-a-r-s oh there he is yes yes yeah trust me i was very excited and i texted uh, other comedy sports people, because that's how I know Derek uh, from years gone by. Uh, other comedy sports people that knew him and said, eh, Derek's in Tame Twin Peaks. I, yeah, I don't remember who, who played the little man from another place. Um, Michael. Uh, he's No, I know he's still in the cast. Okay. Because he appeared in the uh, 
in the first teaser for it. They shot David Lynch oh, shot something okay. with him. What I'm really pleased to know, to know is that Carol uh, Carol E. Coulson, who was um, was the log lady, she passed away last year, but she had apparently filmed nice scenes. So the log lady will get a farewell in Twin Peaks, and I couldn't be happier about That's that. That's great. She's a she was a great actress, uh, very popular. I think we talked about it on the podcast when she passed away. Very popular in the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in so, Ashland. So for people who are listening to this and not understanding why we're gushing over this so much. There, you've got to put a link into the show notes to the complete collection of Twin Peaks. Uh, or you know, yes, Blu-ray it's collection. also available on Netflix. Oh uh, uh, yeah, so yeah. you know, time to catch up or Hulu. I think actually, I think it's on Hulu because okay. Hulu, it's going to be on Showtime, and if you pay extra on Hulu, you can have just a separate subscription to Showtime, Showtime on through Hulu Plus. Yeah. So only I think it's just Hulu now. I, don't, I think they dropped the plus. But, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, this has been uh, just an incredibly uh, uh, frustrating uh, because at one point David Lynch had walked away. It wasn't going to yeah. happen. It was yeah. just like, ah. Oh. So, you know, it's got uh, it's got <laughs> a, a, amazing stuff. I would say maybe uh, I'd put in a, a link for the Blu-ray because uh, the most recent Blu-ray collection includes Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, yep. which I don't think is on Hulu. Not that it's necessary because it is a very – it is far more David Lynch. Uh, yeah, it's a prequel too. And, yeah, yeah, and uh, and it didn't really resolve anything. No, no, it just kind of showed stuff that hadn't been shown but right. had been talked about. <coughs> so, but one other thing that got you excited—and that's my last item here—is that uh, FAB we may pl- we may no we may play point counterpoint uh, uh. Thunderbirds are go which. I think you had talked about a couple years ago because it was a, or at least a year ago on the podcast at because it was ago. available on ITV in in right. the UK. Right. It is now on Amazon Prime starting this past weekend. Uh, Kevin Rubio, who we had on the podcast last year, was uh, had written a couple of episodes. So I don't know how much of the, is the whole season available. The whole the series first available. Is. The first season. So yeah, there's they, more going they've on. They've done a in second England. season in England. And I think that's where Kevin's episodes uh, are are in the second season. But uh, yeah, so it's a remake of of the Jerry Anderson Super Marionation yep. uh, series. Probably. Jerry and Sylvia. Sylvia passed recently. Sylvia too. passed away. Lady Penelope. Yes. Uh, she passed away just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, uh, so. Basically, it's a Super Marionation series, which or was. Let me put it that way, because this is the interesting thing. Um, it, you know, these were marionettes that uh, would would be they these were action big, series. They're about a foot and a half tall yeah. each, so they were kind of like GI Joes uh, with strings and uh, some really cool concepts. Because certainly we've talked about, and I think again, still all available on Hulu. The original Thunderbirds are go. Uh, Fireball XL5, Stingray, yep. Supercar, Supercar, uh, my favorite Captain Scarlet, Scarlet and, and the, the Mysterons, and Joe Ninety is yeah. also there, which I have not seen, and then it sounds so um, depressing a series. I'm not sure I want to see see it. Oh, uh, but it, as, I, as I've heard, I've read okay. descriptions that go. There's something kind of weird about it. He downloads skills into yeah, yes, yeah. but he's he's lonely. He has no friends. Oh. He has no ch- no friends. He's like ten. It's like child slavery. Yeah. Uh, as we were talking earlier about Shazam, isn't Shazam kids wish fulfillment and yet really child abuse? Mm-hmm. Uh, so hmm, kids just I don't know. Anyway, so it's available now. I think it's a I think it's a good probably a good children's series in the way though that it didn't I. 
started watching it and I did not connect with it at all. Okay. And I thought really interesting because I think everything that made me interested in the design of the characters in the first place is lost in making it CG. Well, it's only partially CG. And I understand that because I could tell that the things that you want to sell as toys definitely look well the the sets the sets and everything are are filmed um from three-dimensional models Mm -hmm. that are that are actually exist in the real space right and then they they put the characters in there right and it's it's weird and i don't like the character redesigns they're too smooth they look too much like uh to me yeah a show that did a better job of cging super marionation was the clone wars because that was Lucas's yeah. order to them was to design the characters in Clone Wars so yes. they look like CG versions of what Jerry Anderson would have done while being clearly CG. Whereas yeah. these feel too much like Nickelodeon kids CG shows, like little kids shows, like Joe ninety, uh, not Joe, uh, like uh, what's the one about the the kid who has the alien powers. Uh, Ben 10 is ben not 10. CG. It's not CG. It's, it's not CG? It, no, okay. no, it's cell animation. Oh, that's hand-drawn. right, it is. No, uh, I, I was thinking more like Handy Manny. Or there there, there are some ki- there are some shows with like uh, CG animals, but the humans in it look too, you know. Yeah. They're just a little too overly friendly and too sculpted yeah. out, whereas, you know. It's definitely it's definitely made to be a very a younger kid-friendly movie. Or series. Series. And that's, and that's what, uh, what surprised me. Because to me, when I've seen... Ep- clips of Thunderball. Uh, Thunderbirds. Uh, uh, Thunderbirds, right. Fireball. Was, uh, and I combined them into a James Bond film. Um, <laughs> is, Bond that, is, a... is that they, there's almost, there's a little layer of the grotesque. And that's, uh, I was reading an article on the development of Super Mario Nation. Is uh-huh. By the time you get to Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, the, the figures are almost too good. And to, you know, and I, and I recall this, Captain Black and even Captain Scarlet, who talked like Cary Grant, um, Captain Scarlet, like waking up in a hospital bed and the eyes moving back and forth. Right. It was like, I, that was the uncanny valley. Right. And that, you know, he, well, he that's the, yeah. they did cross a line there. Whereas Thunderbirds was, it sort of had this, they were clearly still in the realm of the puppet. Right. And they were fun. And, and, and you could buy an action figure uh, or Actually, you could buy hand puppets, right? That they, they you put your hand in the thing, and the heads looked exactly like yes. the the sculpts uh, uh, on the show. It doesn't bother me as much as it does you, and and I think. Well, I'm, I think that's I'm, just that's I'm, just an aesthetic. But I would say exactly what you said about the plot wise. It was aimed. Younger. I was surprised at how young it was aimed yes. at, yes. and so that was disappointing to me because. Even when I'm sure the original series did this, but when there's like the youngest version is like, I haven't gotten to the, the youngest Tracy brother. I haven't gotten a real assignment yet. Right. It's like, ah. Uh, well, there's a particularly funny episode where he hasn't actually driven a car. He's flown a spaceship, but he hasn't driven right. a, a vehicle. Well, that's in the pilot. That's the, that's, that's, that's in the first episode. Mm. Uh, trust me. I just watched it. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that he makes that line and he, and he says that it's like, there's an episode where he gets to learn to drive a oh, car. Okay. But I'm saying it's, it's a plot and he point. He does so on Penelope's uh, mansion at, and the, the chauffeur is the one who teaches him how to drive. And the, it's almost a home alone situation with what happens in the mansion that day. But what I was going to say is, um, this controversy, our, our, our violent argument aside, um, you might be interested in something that was kickstarted last year. And that was 
they they had these records of additional Thunderbirds adventures. They were just the audio portion. They were made to be played on record players. The Kickstarter was to take those audio, those authentic actor, mm-hmm. authentic uh, audio, and film using the same techniques. You had talked about that when it happened. Yes. To make these three new episodes from the audio, thing. and they, they finished, and I'll be getting mine soon. Yeah, but it's one of those things with 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 the fandom is I missed it entirely uh-huh. when I was the right age. Yeah, so uh, it wasn't available to me. I the only reason I think that I like Captain Scar and the Mistrons is the same reason I like Star Blazers. It hit me at right the right age. It was shown on. Uh, 36 or it was, 20. No, it was shown on Captain Cosmic uh, on Channel oh, 2. Oh, Channel 2, yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, because it was serialized. Uh, I'm so sure they were. My experience, I you know, I don't even think I had a Thunderbirds. I had these things called Give a Show projectors from Kenner uh-huh. that had the slides. Right, the slide strips. The, like, again, I hope you all see the visual in your head mm-hmm. of my doing the slide strips. He's, but it had a... They're and, about the size of a ruler. And these were the days when... If you went into Kitty World, because there wasn't even a Toys R Us at that point, yeah, uh, the local store in Sunnyvale was 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 Kitty World, yeah, and you'd buy, and, and the toys would stay on the shelf for a long time, or, yeah. or it seemed like a long time. They'd to get me. restocked, you know, the, you the, know, but they didn't come out with new toys every month, right? It wasn't so yeah. insane. So when I would get a give a show, and one would the bulb would burn out or it would break because they were plastic, you know, they right. crack. Right. My, so I. I, I must have gotten at least like three or f- three projectors, and each time you bought them, it came with a different set of of slides. So I had a Fireball XL5. Uh-huh. I had a Stingray. That was the submarine one. Right. So I had I had a strip for Fireball XL5. I had a strip for S- Stingray. There was a Hanna Barbera Moby Dick. Like set in Atlantis, they were lived on, which was later made comedically as Jabberjaw, but they had a serious hero thing. It might have been a filmation. It might have been a uh, filmation, okay. but I had the strip for it, and it was Lassie and stuff. But I had all the sci-fi stuff, and it's just as I said, like with the Hanna Barbera adventure stuff, and and even my fandom of my liking Man from Uncle is big little books, and I had a Man from Uncle strip. I think um, they weren't from seeing the shows, right. Right. So all my knowledge of these or, or my enthusiasm for these things was Came projecting six panels, essentially six right. slides over and over when my parents – in those days when parents ignored their children. It was a great uh, – It was a great. Uh, the, it we had to entertain nice, ourselves. It paired up nicely with the Viewmaster and, and much for Another the same one, thing. You'd I, get the shows – only a Viewmaster, you'd get like a packet of like – Three, you get three discs. Uh, Journey, uh, uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, for yeah. example, you get like three discs that would tell one and story. Each disc was an act. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It was, you know, the, but the advantage of the Give a Show was that you got them all loaded right. up. Whereas if you bought in those days, you bought a Viewmaster, they were still trying to push that as an educational toy. Oh, yeah. So, you so got, all the fun ones were separate packs. And then San you Francisco. got the Grand Canyon, yeah. which was actually kind of cool. I did like the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Uh, I, in fact, well, they were in 3D. I, mean, I was, must have picked the. I must have gotten this at a flea market because there's no way that that was still. What was, I had one of those bl- old black metal Viewmasters, like really oh, okay. heavy. 
you know, and and pick up. My brother got like the red plastic one, right. but I, you know, and, yeah, and, the old one. And I think I it's still somewhere in my garage. It's, okay. it's just like the really really old. You know, which I mean, they essentially had to stop making them. Probably one expense, but also because then nobody bought new Viewmasters because it's like Tonka. Tonka almost went went bankrupt because they made too good. The toys, the toys were too good. You just pass them forever. on to your kids, yeah. you know, and and you know. So, oh, those days when that's what we had, Indeed. and then, and now Viewmasters are being sold as as uh, VR. Or I'm sorry, I, I learned again the new the new term. It's not even altered. Uh, it's it's not augmented reality. It's now mixed reality. Interesting. Okay. At least, I mean, I think VR stays, virtual reality stays where you're completely immersed. But what we used to call augmented reality where, you know, you, you an overlay is now mixed. Okay. Because a, a new company came out, and you should check it out. Uh, a, a new company announced last week, and I, I'll find that link, um, with their technology for doing – for doing you know mixed reality and it was like it looked their demo film looks really impressive how it works in real reality i don't know but in my day in our day we had these projectors and you'd have those projectors actually pretty cool they had like a handle on the top because they knew kids were going to tote them around well that's what they were for so you could take and they were battery powered and they were basically flashlights and and it was like which i think i used as a flashlight a few times times but I mean, because it was you know, take me to a to an elderly aunt's house, and right. I could protect. I could what are you doing in there in the dark, Derek? And, and I could project in a corner, you know, and, and yeah. just entertain myself. And they had uh, text on the bottom, so it was good. did you ever put a piece of paper up and then trace the image onto the paper on the wall? Oh yeah, yeah. I also, but I, I started. I mean, again, things that I don't know if you. You could sell these for kids because kids probably set themselves on fire with this. I again through um, through flea markets, the magic of flea markets. Oh my god, I was I was a small child in a magical age for toys. Uh, had um, got a, an actual light board for kids. Oh, light table. nice, nice. So you know you'd have this big big bulb, right? <laughs> and now we you know this is just riffing at the end of the podcast. But I had this big bulb, and I, I the first one I got was a GI Joe light table. Uh-huh. So it was back when G.I. Joe was actually a soldier. It wasn't the adventure team yet. It was right, all right, right. So you had all these different uh, th- figures of, of soldiers to trace. And, and you could mix and match and make And your you own. could mix and match and, and draw your own battle scenes. Yeah. And I, I know that I had an animated one. I, I want to say it was an Adam Ant. Like I found... I don't think I got a drawing table for it, but, they had, but it was from like the same company. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so... That was kind of interesting. And then, you know, I, I got a book on animation from uh, a craft store by Preston Blair, which you can still get. Uh, he was a Disney animator, uh, and he, he worked for Warner Brothers, too. And, and you know, so it had the guide. And so I was learning how to use the, how to use the light table. And um, But I think now the thing why I say I can't believe that we had it was like, I mean, that was a hot bulb. It's like it's like uh, oh, yeah. Easy Bake Ovens where they used to be, you know, light bulbs and kids were burning themselves all the time. Um, it's not that parents didn't care. It's just you. there was acceptable risk in learning how to yeah. do things. Oh, man. <laughs> Thing Maker? I, again, just a skosh too young for Thing Maker. I wanted them, but I couldn't find them. It was you like know? it was like a, a heating element that you put a metal tray into. Oh, yes. No, my and cousins had, had it. Had my special cousins had tongs it. that you had to use to get the metal yeah, tray off of or it. Or even better, vacuform. Oh, I love vacuform. <laughs> The, th- the thing about vacuform is that you could never find the sheets that you had. To, they were always sold out because 
that was the part you just you get a you get a package of those you'd rip through those in an afternoon so i (laughs) would this is a vivid four-year-old memory going to a church carnival in mantica and i could throw the dart and pop the balloon and i won and they had a a vacuum form disguise kit nice only it didn't have the sheets no it was a booster pack kind of thing so it had the the molds right but no way to do anything with it so yes i had that for a long time i was like i held out hope that i would go to a flea market a garage sale and find the actual those sheets. those are toys that taught you patience too because and pain with a with a vacuum <laughs> form if you didn't let the let the sheet get it was basically the sheet was on one side heating up getting soft and you flipped it over onto the top of the mold and then you had to pump it to pump the air out to suck the sheet down around the mold like, which then you would just tra- cut I, out I but if you do it. if you ne- if you if you were too anxious and you wanted to start you'd get like the half melted sheet put it down there and it would just like it wouldn't suck down on top of the thing it was just horrible the same thing with thing makers if you didn't let those cool enough yeah you know actually they'd be gummy to kind of go back to move james gunn james gunn's one novel uh the toy collector actually there's a whole thing about the thing maker yeah is is a kind of like the holy grail in that in that novel which is kind of a, a novel about a guy trying to cut you know grow up basically um and um i've read it it's a very it's, it, before anybody knew who james gunn was that was like it was like right after tromeo and juliet he released this novel it's really it's really good but what i love most about it was that i was like i get those toys i, I mean i remember those toys and oh, i never yeah. had them i never had them one last one the best one of all that i've never come across a used one because i imagine people who have them cherish them was the strange change time machine? Yes, and that's the one where they were the cube. They were like well, starburst size. They were starburst size cubes. You'd throw them into the into the chamber. Yes, and that would heat it up so they'd separate and they'd turn into figures. Then I take that back. That's what the toy collector is. That's it's the strange change. And my okay. cousin Clint, throwing names out that like anybody knows him, but he it was either him. Maybe it was my neighbor. Maybe my next door neighbor uh, had it because um, they were he, there was an older brother, and I think it was a toy that he had had. And yeah, and the things would come out, and then you heat them up again, and you yeah, could press them it, back it, down you, into the. It actually had like a a crankable, like a car compressor that you'd put the the you'd heat them up, and so they get soft again. You put them down into the into the trough where yeah. the, and then you crank it down until it impressed. It actually had like a Mattel logo on yeah, it yeah. they would impress into the cube so it's like any any one of those scenes where the bad guys are crushing the hero into a cube so you never these things never expended you know you you could you could put them you could run yeah. them back through and not only are they hard to find they also had an unfortunate tendency to catch fire oh <laughs> so nice. I, I i know that one too i mean there were some pretty dangerous oh, sure. toys um not to be confused with the Charles Band uh, Full Moon Entertainment film series, Dangerous Toys. Uh, or, or is it Deadly Toys? There's Puppet Master and... Uh, or that Segway thing that came out last year that, that people would stand. Oh, the hoverboard. The, the thing hoverboard. they called the hoverboard that would yeah. catch fire? Yes. Um, that Amazon banned because they realized they were losing customers, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, thanks for that, uh, Down Toys. 
so yeah this is this is it for a tuesday night uh and we will be back next week before free comic book day uh i'm Derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for good, good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.